Hey, hey Desperate Housewives Superfans! Welcome back! <laughs> I'm Christy Gomez. I'm Summer Moran. And this is... We Know What You Did. It Makes Us Sick. <gasps> We're going to show! I'm looking at Topu, he just glared at us. Okay, guys, I hope you loved... Our last episode and our surprise of the amazing Cody Cash. We love him. He's great. He is great. He's a great time. He is. And I can't believe we're talking out of empty microphones. (laughs) (laughs) This, there's nothing connected. (laughs) Okay, guys. We're not good at the technical things as we work together. I know. So we're using our, <laughs> these are props. We have prop microphones just to feel something. Um, Simply nobody's watching the nobody's video. Nobody's watching this video. <laughs> but yeah, I loved having Cody on the podcast. Um, I like that he's nothing like Zach. That's nice. Yeah, we got along super well. We did. And I feel like our personalities clicked. I know. I want him to force I want to force friendship so bad. Come on. Cody, if you're listening. Cody, we know you listen. And if you don't, it's a bad friend. Never mind. Never mind. Anyway, Summer, you've been in, in Los Angeles for maybe 48 hours at this point. I sure have. You have a moment of desperation. I sure do. <laughs> so, it's been a long week, Chits. I had one of the days. longest... It's been a long week prior to oh, okay. that. It's been one of the longest, three, three, most, three, three, like, just busiest, thank you for that, yeah. uh, busiest weeks of my life. I just had so much going on, and it was all going to culminate in the flight to come out here. And I had a connecting flight. Great. I love being able to get up and walk around. I don't like five and a half to six hour flights. I feel, like, scared of thrombosis. And so... What's thrombosis? It's when you get a blood clot from sitting too long. Oh, wouldn't catch me doing that naturally so (laughs) so I had a friend staying with me this week shout out Erin and by the time just things got hectic as we were leaving and Erin ended up leaving her jacket up in my apartment so Erin is a listener by the way hi Erin hey girl (laughs) and she ended up you know leaving her jacket up there and wasn't able to get back into my apartment for it so I started to get her stuff into her Uber. And then by that time, she was heading to leave to go home from staying with me. And I was like maybe eight to 10 minutes behind on my own schedule with, which can make a difference for someone like me who relies heavily on the MTA. Yeah. I hate the MTA. I hate the MTA. Our four New York listeners understand and can relate. So, My journey to the airport is absolutely harrowing, first of all. And by the time I get there, I have to check in at the airport. They didn't let me do it on the app. And I go up to the little screen and I'm like, okay, I punch in my name and my my confirmation number. And then it says, wait for assistance. Wait. Wait. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. And why did I need to wait for assistance? I don't know. I run over to the agent and she's like, oh, okay, I'll help you. And for some reason, just her thing was going slow. So finally, I get my boarding pass. I go over to security. And it's not a long line. It says like four minutes Mm -hmm. to get through. 
I understand now why people do murder, okay? There was one TSA agent working. This was LaGuardia? Mm-hmm. At 3 o'clock on a Saturday. So there's a handful of people in front of me, but it's not a crazy long line. Mm -hmm. The fact was there were two families on the line before me with, like, little children. And so the TSA agent who, uh, by the way, wanted to be murdered, mm. he's, he's going over, he's looking at the kids and he's going, so what's your name? <gasps> How old are you? And I think he had to do that for, like, security purposes, but he's asking them, and this effing kid will not give his name to the TSA agent. And the mom is speaking to the kid in Spanish, and I guess she's saying, you have to talk to him, because she's, like, motioning to the, the TSA yeah. agent. But the mother herself was going slower than than a turtle. I mean, awful. And then I hear the husband go, oh, I'm Ivan. And I'm like, you're not here to mingle, okay? Yeah. So that family finally goes through. The people behind them have a small blonde child who, again, the TSA agent goes, and what's your name? And how old are you? Why do they have to ask that? I don't I know. I don't know. I used to fly a lot as a child, and they right. never asked me questions. Well, maybe it's Maybe we're fighting human they trafficking. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's something to do with, like, oh, they don't have a passport or yeah. a form of ID. But this agent, I think he had it out for me. Yeah. And then there are, like, two girls about, like, our age-ish on the line ahead of me, and I almost turned to one of them to be like, do you believe this? I, I... I was so livid. I'm shaking. Mm -hmm. It's less than 40 minutes until boarding time. And I finally get up to my turn. And I have my passport out and my boarding pass. And the guy goes, hi, how are you today? And I went, what? And he goes, how are you today? I said, I'm stressed. I'm running late. And he let me through. And it's like, I, I really think it was him. I really think it was him. And that whole time, all I could think was, I understand why people do murder. That's crazy of you to say in the context of being at an airport. What are you doing? Oh, he's so not doing anything. He's just playing with a bracelet. That's crazy. Um, no, traveling's bad, especially around the holidays. Literally two days prior, <laughs> when I was flying back from New York City. Um, is this your moment of desperation? No, it was just crazy is all I was going to say. Yeah. So, long story short... I get to my gate with about eight minutes to spare before boarding, and my heart is just thud, thud, thudding. It was like the most harrowing journey. And, you know, I forgot to mention this, but getting to the airport, you know, you're waiting however long for the train, and then you have to take the Q70 bus to LaGuardia. I don't do that. How do you get there? I Uber. Oh, well. I'm paying the premium. We're in a different tax bracket. <laughs> but I'm waiting for the Q70, and I'm like, it's not showing up. And then all of a sudden on the app, it says, like, the bus has just left. Mm -hmm. So I look around. They moved the bus stop. How they moved you, it up, like, two paces. That? But it's where you can't see it if, you're, yeah. if there's a bus there already. So I ended up waiting an extra, like, ten minutes for a bus and just, oh, it was a rough day. Rough day. That's bad. There, there needs to be better transportation from the city to the airports. 
I know. Like, it's crazy. They, they should crazy. have, like, a dedicated monorail. They have that in Sydney, Australia, by the way. I'm sure they do. Right? My mom didn't want to take I was like, this is easy, but we had we had a lot of suitcases. But, yeah, there, there there's a dedicated train, like, monorail train that just takes you straight to the airport, I feel like. Wow. How yeah. innovative. Yeah. Listen up, MTA. That would be nice. You know, I would do that. You know what's but, no, awesome? But also having to, like, roll your suitcases around the city. That's why I just Uber I, I guess. I was traveling with one purse this yeah. time. I had no bags to check. It was just the personal items. So well, at so least thank God for that. What about you? What was your moment of desperation? I once again had a day of desperation. Oh, boy. So I get here Thursday night. And, guys, I've been away from New York, from Los Angeles for a month. My hair is shiny. My skin has cleared up. For the first time in two years, my skin looks good. <laughs> and... So I said, okay, like, I'm not letting L.A. tap water touch me ever again. Right. So I get home and immediately my mom gifted me with this water filter I wanted. You know, you're an adult when you ask for a water filter for Christmas. The VitaClean, by the way, it's life-changing. Spoiler alert, it was installed. Spoiler alert. But you all should get it. I want an affiliate link because it's the most amazing shower I've ever taken. But anyway... So I get home, it's like 8 p.m., 11 p.m. in my brain, and I'm like, I just want to shower off the plane. So I go in my little shower, I unscrew my current disgusting shower head, and what? I'm going to sneeze. Okay. Just let me do that. I'm sorry. I go to unscrew my disgusting old shower head that's literally filled with sediment, and <gasps> there's a little piece that like looks like a bowl. I can't unscrew it. And I'm like, this is really difficult. So I text my neighbor group chat. I'm like, somebody help me. And they go, oh, you have to unscrew it. I'm like, thanks. They said, I'll help you tomorrow. And I was like, okay. Can't come soon enough? I guess. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> the, the drama persists. The darkness persists. But so do you. Yeah. So I was like, okay. You know what? I was on this plane in a full sweatsuit. I can sleep in my plane. Like, that's fine. I, if I have, like, skin on the plane, I'm showering immediately. But if it was on okay. the plane? Yeah, like, if I was wearing a t-shirt or something. Like, if my skin touched any part of the plane, I want to shower when I get home. But I was like, it's okay. I'll do it tomorrow. So all day, I can't think about anything else other than, fi other than fixing my shower head. Literally, no, tofu can <laughs> try to talk. Tofu, do you mind? We are doing a podcast. He's just like my okay. students. Hard, hard to pay attention to what I'm saying. So the whole next day, I'm trying to like catch up on work, and I actually can't focus on anything other than my shower head. So it was actually like straight up like physical sitcom comedy. Me trying to set this up. I almost got it. It falls off. I almost got it again. It's leaking. Like it was so bad. Finally, I, I just. I would walk away for two seconds, try to focus on something else, and I couldn't. I had to go back to my shower head. So then in the middle of all of this, my mom calls me. And she says, my dad's missing. <gasps> what? <laughs> you did not I tell me this. saving this. <laughs> she goes, I can't believe that. <laughs> Still, I, all I can think about, I mean, I'm literally like, I'm sure he's fine. I need to fix my shower. He's a grown man. I want to take a shower. I felt disgusting. All I want to do is take a shower. So my mom says, your dad's missing. <laughs> he left, at, was to meet my godfather, JJ, who is like a son to my dad. His favorite child. Um, <laughs> anyway, so he was meeting him at a liquor store on 50th and Madison Avenue. 
and I said to my mom, and that which is not to dox myself, but not like aggressively far. My dad's a fast walker from where we live. So I was like, when did he leave? She said he left around 2.30. They were supposed to meet at 3. And one thing about my dad is he is aggressively on time. Like yeah. He will never be late. Yeah. So JJ called my mom and was freaking out because he, it was like 2, it was like 3, 4, it was 3.45 at this point. My dad had not shown up. And Wait, he wasn't that's answering really scary. the phone. I know. I figured you would be freaking out, but I am very good in emergency situations. So I said... Everything's probably fine. He probably left his phone at home. Oh. I said, did you check? He has his phone. He has his phone. My dad has a history of just leaving his phone. He'll just forget it. Yeah. So I figured that's what happened. But then my mom's going to the liquor store. She goes to meet JJ and JJ. They're, they're like sobbing, crying. They're about to call the hospitals. They're, they're, they think he's oh kidnapped. My God. Like they all fully think my dad is like gone. And I'm over here like... I love my dad. I'm sure he's fine. I want to fix my shower. <laughs> so then I get off the, my mom called me again, like 10 minutes later and she's like sobbing in a taxi on the way. And I'm again, I'm like, does, did you check to see if his phone was in the apartment? She goes, he has his phone. He has his phone. I was like, okay, literally she goes, if we don't hear from him, like once I get to see JJ, we're calling the hospitals. I was like, okay, literally I get off the phone with her immediately. I get a text from a random New York number. Can you send me JJ's phone number immediately? I was supposed to meet him at three. And obviously it's my dad, like using somebody's phone. But, you know, just to be on the safe side, I was like, let me make sure he hasn't been held hostage because they started getting in my brain a little. So I just called the number and my dad answers. And he's like, hey, left my phone at home. And he was like, I just had to go, go to the bathroom. I couldn't find one. And then I got here and nobody's here. JJ hadn't even got, gotten to the liquor store because he didn't know where it was. So they weren't even, and literally, like, it was within minutes of JJ leaving the area <gasps> did my dad show oh, up. wow. And I was like, guys, I figured it would be fine. My dad's a grown man. Like, wow. It was only 45 minutes you didn't hear from him. Like, he's okay. I see why that would be concerning. I, you would be having a freak out. Yeah. You would. Oh, yeah. We know you would be having a major freak out. So... But we respond to emergencies very differently. Right. Um, but so he ended up being fine. And I was like, great, my dad's alive. I want to get my shower fixed. But also, not for nothing, your mom calling you to tell you that he's... Like, what does she expect you to I, do? That's now? what I said. I was like, what do you like? What do you expect me to do now? You're just going to have me worried. Like, there's literally nothing I can do from, from here. So, thanks. Now you put it into my mind. My dad has been kidnapped or... <laughs> Dad napped. Dad napped or just dropped dead on the street. Toy, toy, toy. That would never happen. He's very healthy. But yeah, I was like, what, like, celebrity side, like, what, what really could go wrong, you know? But I hear him and I told him on the phone, I was like, oh, yeah, by the way, like, everybody's freaking out. Nobody knows where you are. And he's like, okay, whatever. Like, I'm going to call JJ That's now. That's why he called you first. Yeah. Probably the only number he could remember. Yeah. And then I hear him, like, talking to the guy whose phone he's using, and he's laughing, and he's like, ha, ha they're all worried about me now. <laughs> well, yeah. And that's my mom, a real good moment of desperation. Crazy. That was also your mom's moment of desperation. My JJ's moment of desperation. JJ Jr.'s moment of yeah, desperation. Yeah, my mom said yeah. they were sobbing, crying. Because JJ Jr., like, he calls my dad abuelito. Like, that's his grandpa. Yeah. And they were, like, they were in crisis, 
they love him so much. And I'm yeah. like, he would be okay. Like, it's fine. But anyway. And by the way, my neighbor came and fixed my shower and it was lovely. So, invited Shout clean. Shout out, neighbor. clean. Shout out to my neighbor. That being said. <laughs> Want to get into the episode? Yeah, I sure do. So we are in season two, episode one. We made it through season one. And now we're on season two. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'll start us off. Okay. Our opening monologue It's called Next, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Our opening monologue by Mary Alice is about Ida Greenberg, who indulges in liquor. She's a she's always drunk, basically. She's just always drunk. And one day, Ida asks God to rid her of this this awful vice. And then we see a scene where Mike gets home. And Zach has the gun on Susan. There is an altercation. It's wild and crazy. And Susan ends up with the gun and shoots it through the window. And it hits the liquor bottle that Ida has. And that's God's way of saying, your drinking days are over. I loved, I loved that they used the minor character of Ida Greenberg and her perspective to tell this story of what happened. In yes. House. Because imagine like you're watching Desperate Housewives. It's 2005. You see the finale. You don't know what's going to happen to Mike Delfino. <laughs> you're watching this because you love Mike Delfino. You think he's going to die. And then you've been waiting months for this episode. And then Ida Greenberg has an alcohol problem. <laughs> I'd be so upset. But then it all tied together and I thought it was lovely. Um, I also noticed that Zach has a new haircut. Oh, really? From the moments before we saw him. Yeah, I mean, this was filmed week af weeks after. He looked different to me. Interesting. Why didn't yeah. they just do it all at once? Because this is a different episode. They wrapped. Yeah, but... New season. If they were going to start with the same scene picking up, wouldn't it just make more sense to do it all that same Probably day? Probably didn't know if they were getting a pickup at that point. <gasps> and it wasn't written yet. wasn't written yet. Sorry, those of us who work at a studio, it's like. Um, so then Zach ran out. Oh, that was my note. He just like booked it. And then we never see him again for the rest of the episode. And I wanted to see our friend Zach Young. Um, <laughs> then we find out it's been one. I have beef with this. It's been one year since Mary Alice has now died. No time has passed since the last episode. Yet... Edie's house is almost fully built. Right. When I, I wrote Edie's house finally rebuilt OMG. Yeah. In a day. In a day. Because I'm pretty sure we saw her lot in the season finale. We had to have. Well, it she, was never built up before this because we never saw any progress. No, we just saw her at the lot every Mark, day. Cherry, math. Like, come on. You didn't have to... That's fine. We just didn't have to see her on the site of the, the lot every day. But yeah, I noticed her house is fully built. 
one year has passed and and it's like I was just confused. I know. You're and not gonna get any clarity. And on also that. Bree hadn't told anybody about Rex being dead yet. Right. Um Yeah. I just couldn't believe I was I have beef with Edie's house right now. Who is more beef with Edie's house? Me or Susan? I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking on behalf of Susan, you do. Yeah. Speaking of Susan, though, she is in the hospital because she was injured during the altercation involving Mike and Zach, and her mouth was all bloody, and so she's got this gauze in her mouth, and Mike comes in with the cop, who is going to question Susan. Mike looked really good in the hospital room. <sighs> he just, like, it suited him to be in there. Yeah, it he suits him great. to be, It suits him to be everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Susan is trying to tell what went on and is talking about Zach's psychotic episode and she keeps like taking the gauze out and Julie's like you have to keep that in and it this disgusted me I hate bloody gauze I hate bloody gauze anyway uh Mike says yeah I'll tell you the rest of the story and brings the cop back out to the hallway no but also Susan was like he tried to kill Mike like all this stuff and Mike was like oh you know but he's a good kid like he was like kind of pushing back on it a little bit and then um, he goes outside with the cop, and he is telling the cop, basically, that Susan is being dramatic, and it's not that big of a deal, and Julie overhears, and she thinks it's a little shady. It is! It is! Justice for Julie. <laughs> then, we see Gabby showering. She's just trying to wash off the craziness of the last few months of her life. And when she gets out of the shower, she finds a, a path, a trail of rose petals leading to the bed that she shares with Carlos on a regular basis. <laughs> and who is lying in that bed? John, John Roland. <laughs> Do you know what the craziest thing about this is? I thought what? this was a dream sequence when I first saw it. That scares me. Yeah. But I thought she was hallucinating John yeah. in that moment. And she wasn't. And she's like, what the hell are you doing here, crazy? <laughs> Why do they laugh like that? <laughs> <laughs> this is our first episode of 2024. Congratulations. <laughs> and season two. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Actually, it's technically not. Well, we filmed with Cody in 2023. Yeah, but we posted it in 2024. Yeah, but we recorded last year. Yeah, but we posted Whatever. For you guys, it's the second episode of 2024. For us, it's the first. So John is like, oh, this is good for the three of us. And Gabby's like, Carlos could go to jail for eight years, you psychotic jerk. I don't like you. I need you to get out of my house. And so she basically pushes him out. And that's on period. I said, I said Gabby pushed him out the door, smiley face. She did. Like, he was like, for the three of us, you, me, and that baby. It's like, you're a teenager. Even if that was biologically yours, like, that's not your kid. What do you not understand, you little freak? Um, then we get to Lynette. Again, no time has passed, but she looks amazing and she's ready to work. And Tom looks very in his element as a jobless dad. Tom is testy because Lynette is, like, briefing him on something. And she's like, you can't really let them finger paint. Like, it's going to get really messy. Yeah. And he's like, that's my job now, isn't it? 
Like, he came for her so fast. And then she threatens to cut off Parker's hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think he's, like, well, they're my kids, too. Like, I know how to handle them. But yeah. But it, it came out a little bit rude. Yeah. I guess. But I just think this just feels much more natural for them, for her to be working and him to be at home. Like, yes. it just... It's how it was meant to to be. Thank you. Uh, Okay. So then Brie is sitting, waiting, so it's not too early to call, and then she calls her friends one at a time that Rex is dead. She waited until like 12 o'clock on the dot or something. Yeah. Why? I think it was nine. Nine? Yeah. So it's not like too early. Oh, I see. Yeah. She's super matter-of-fact about things, mm-hmm. and she just calls Lynette. Yeah, but I think it is too soon, and then she calls everybody else. Or do you think she just called Lynette, and then Lynette called No, the I think I think Lynette met up with the other... I think Lynette called everybody else and was like, hey, can we talk for a minute? Oh. Because it says Lynette like meets with the other ladies, and right. they walk over to Brie, because they see Brie just... Standing like a sentinel at her I wrote garbage she's can. standing like the NPC. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. No, she's just like standing there, like soulless. <laughs> and then they come over. She's like, oh, hey, I have <laughs> soy milk. Rex is the only one who drank it. Actually, she said Rex is the only one who drinks it. Oh, which she say I caught. Oh. She's still speaking about him as if he is still there. I was just like thinking about how... Rex was so progressive because he was drinking dairy-free milk. That's because he's 25. What? He loves soy milk and the gay community. Yes. And those things do often go hand in hand, don't they? They do. They do. Um, They do. Anyway, I forgot where I was going with that. And what does Brie tell the girls? Do you remember? No. The girls are like, hey, you can show some emotion, it's cool. And she says, no, I can't, and here's why. Rex's mother is on the way, and who pulls up half her body outside of a taxi, flailing her arms, but Rex's mother, I believe her name is Phyllis. Phyllis, I have her as Mrs., uh, as Mama Rex. Mama Rex. I couldn't remember. Mama Solis, Mama Mama Rex. Rex. Um, Yeah, she's inconsolable. Yeah. And... Do you see why Rex hates women? If your mom's a little crazy, like you're gonna take all you're gonna take it out on all women in the world. Then Lynette is at her job interview. And she's being mom shamed. Yeah, the interviewer Nina, who I forgot about until we saw her. I did too, but immediately when I saw her, I was like, there's Lynette's boss. She plays a pretty important role coming up. Yeah. And she's just being very condescending during this interview. Yeah, like Lynette's like, oh yeah, I have kids. She goes, oh, I never wanted to have kids. And it's like, people who don't want to have kids don't act like that. Yeah, we literally, literally it's like the that. other way around. It's like, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, I never wanted kids. And people with kids are like, I can't believe you never wanted kids. I love my kids. <laughs> <laughs> but you know they change your life, right? You you know, you know that uh, when you see that baby. I have nobody without my kids. I have nobody without my kids. And it's like, I think you're projecting. Yeah. So this lady's projecting she probably wants kids. But yeah, she just doesn't <laughs> want Lynette to have this job. But Lynette's too smart and amazing and cool. 
cool. And then Nina says that Lynette has to come back the next day because the other boss has to sign off on bringing her on. Yeah. So then we're back at Bree's house, and Bree and the kids and Mama Phyllis. I call them the Vanda Clan. <laughs> Vanda Clan merch. Vanda Clan, Vanda Clan. Vanda Clan, Vanda Clan. <laughs> They're discussing the arrangements for Rex, and Phyllis is like, oh, Rex loved his prep school tie. He'd look really good in this. and It's bright orange. It's bright orange and green stripes. And Brie immediately vetoes it. And she's like, well, he's going to be in a blue suit. So absolutely the hell not. <laughs> and she basically kept everything that Rex ever loved, including a teddy bear and his porn magazine. That's crazy. Which Phyllis hands to Andrew. Right. She clearly doesn't know about him yet. And, um, she w- and Andrew goes... Oh, wow. Dad liked big boobs. And Phyllis goes, shock she married you, Brie. He married you, Brie. <laughs> misgendering Rex. <laughs> Rex would be fine with that. He would. Wait, no, he wouldn't be fine with that. I don't think he'd be that progressive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So then Gabby goes to visit Carlos. And Carlos is stonewalling her. And is not saying a single word. And it's like, okay. He's you're so immature. Your wife had an affair. But she probably had to drive to the outskirts of Fairview to go to the prison. She had to go through a whole security thing. And you're just not going to talk to her? He's going to just um, stare at her? Nice. So he just stares at her. And then she just starts talking, and she goes, come on, God, talk to me. And then he, like, gets up and walks away. She's, like, cartoonish. Very cartoonish. And then he turns and goes, I want a paternity test. Which is fair. I guess. But he could have just said that in the yeah. beginning. You didn't have to be rude to your wife. He wanted her to suffer. Yeah. And guess what? Enough. Guess what? She is suffering, Carlos, because she's married to you. Messed with her birth control. Mm-hmm. You are causing her to, A, ruin her body that is the only thing you actually like about her, by the way. Then Brie goes to give Apple White's cookies. <gasps> we still have cookies. Yeah, we do. Can you bring the whole plate? Yeah. They're so good. Yeah, they are really good. So Brie goes to bring cookies, which we're now eating. And she also asks the Apple Whites if, or she asks Betty Apple White if she will um, be the organ player at Rex's funeral, and Betty is like, oh, of, of, of course, Brie. Of course. She kind of talks like Sophie a little bit. Like a little bit yeah. less breathy, but like, oh, of course, I'll, I'll do that for you. Just let me know what kind of music you want to play, and I'll play it. <laughs> then we go to Susan and Julie, and they're talking about how supposedly, supposedly, Mike is searching for Zach, but Julie is trying to cut in and and speak, and Susan won't let her. Shocking. Yeah. But basically, Julie is like, no, Mike loves Zach. <laughs> Mike loves Susan. Mike loves Susan, but also he loves Zach. She was like, no, he like cares about him. He's not looking for, he's not out for blood. He just wants to find the kid. And Susan's like, oh, it's weird. Because <laughs> she's trying to put out a security sign to scare Zach away. I don't think that's going to scare him away, truthfully. I don't think he cares if he gets caught. Okay. Um, so then Gabby goes to the prenatal office place. 
Ew. And she's talking to a woman with a very eclectic look. She has black hair with red highlights. And she goes, hey, I need a paternity test. And she's like, oh, you have to sign up here. And she goes, no, I just need you to give me a paternity test. I got Photoshop for Christmas. I just love the way that she says that. It like scratches an itch in my brain like every time I watch it. <laughs> I got Photoshop for Christmas. Crazy gift, by the way. Um, <laughs> Wonder who got her the Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> like why? Why do you just give somebody Photoshop for Christmas? She's a model. She wanted to Photoshop her own photos. That's That, that checks. Yes. That checks. I never understood it before. And also think about the time period. Photoshop yeah. was the buzzword in 2005 too, yeah. wasn't it? Like she wasn't face tuning. She was Photoshopping herself. Photoshop was everything. Even on billboards, it, it was such a big point of conversation talking yeah. about how well this is photoshop it's they never used the word edited yeah it was always photoshop we don't say photoshop anymore right we don't really talk about <gasps> photoshop that's weird bring back but photoshop. We, we still use photoshop because photoshop that, was like a full like that's an adobe platform right and we were using it like when you say like oh i'll google that right it was like i'll photoshop that we were using it as an adjective or you say i'll take a kleenex which i don't but people do yeah or a chapstick mm-hmm. crazy their societal brand <laughs> Um, so then she like, she's like, please. And the receptionist is like, no. And then she starts slut shaming the receptionist. She looks at her and she goes, you look like somebody who likes to have fun. I'm sure you've been in this predicament. And the receptionist goes, just because I look a certain way. Shut her up. Actually. She did. She kind of ate. And then Gabby sees a woman crying and she's like, perfect. And the woman goes, (laughs) My egg was supposed to be for a lesbian, and now my husband is afraid my child's gonna be gay. <laughs> like, ma'am, if your husband is that homophobic, you he needs get to a talk divorce. to us. Yeah. Well, guess you can't do that now. Then get a divorce. I guess. In the next scene, we see the Reverend with Bree and Rex's mother. They're just disagreeing about everything at this point. And it's getting so hot and heated, this conversation, that ultimately Brie is like, you know what, Phyllis, you're uninvited to Rex's funeral. How does that, how does she have that power? Like, anybody can show up. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess if it's like somebody had a stalker, I'd be like, this person can't show up to the funeral. Because Mama Rex wrote 15 pages front to back how much she loves her right. son. And it was all information about Rex's life before. Oh yeah, so that's that that's what really set her. Yeah, off. yeah, yeah. She was like, "You didn't write anything about about um, his life with me," and she goes, "You made Rex's life miserable." Which I see where Rex gets it from. Bree was a perfect wife. She did everything. She was she, she dedicated. She was Stepford. her life to that man, and it was enough even for another woman. Mama Rex hates women. She's not a girl's girl. Yeah, not at all. And then... It's amazing that Rex was such the LG, LGBTQ... Uh, whatever. I think he just loves his kids no matter what. Yeah. Like, I don't think Phyllis loves the LGBTs. So then we get to Edie's almost ready house. And Mike is doing the plumbing for it. So Susan's looking for Mike. And Edie comes up. And she's just being really nosy. She goes, I heard Zach held you hostage. Should he rough you up? Did he... Did he pistol slap you? Like, she's asking all the questions, and Susan's like, it wasn't like that. She wants the juice. Yeah, Edie's, like, upset she didn't get beat up. 
Yeah. And she's not making any bones about that. Like, she's Uh very clear that she was hoping Susan got (laughs) really hurt. And then Susan starts interrogating Mike about the charges after what Julie told her. And she's like, why are we not pressing charges? Like, what, what is wrong? Why? She's so confused, and so was I. And then Mike tells the truth. The whole truth. He, and nothing but the truth. He sums up the entire story about Mary Alice being the one who killed Deirdre. And I thought this was so great, because if you think about 2005, we didn't have streaming. Season one was probably on DVD. But at this point, a lot of people probably didn't watch season one before they tuned into season two because that's what you would do. So this was an amazing way to just sum up what you need to know. And it wasn't obvious. Right, right. Like it just, it really, oh my God, I forgot the Emmys are tonight. Congratulations. (sighs) Again. Gotta go. Um... Well, yeah, I just thought that was a good way to put it. And I loved it when he when he said, Paul didn't kill Deirdre, Mary Alice did. I said, thank you, Paul Young, innocent, proven. Mike gets a call and he just goes, Zach's dead. So then we cut right to the morgue. And it's we not. We do? Yeah. Immediately oh. we cut to the morgue. I forgot to take notes. Nice. I get straight to the morgue. And that's simply definitely not Zach, but it looks a little bit too much like Justin. And I know it's not. (gasps) Yeah. I know it's not, but I was like, they should have just chosen somebody who looked nothing like him. Like I immediately was like, that's Justin. Um, And then the way this again was an amazing scene because there's little spoken, but it says everything. Because just the way that Mike looks at the dead boy with a sigh of relief that it's not Zach. He just like is in the corner and Susan looks at him and you can just see immediately what she's thinking. And I was like, oh my God, this is literally such good acting. (laughs) Acting 101. She just looks and she goes, oh my God, Mike is or Mike is Zach's dad. She figures it out. Yeah, so she goes up to him and she goes, he's your son. And Mike thought Deirdre had an abortion. And Mike was like, I couldn't kill Paul after I found out that he and Mary Alice raised my son. And then Susan's like, I have to take a cab home. Mike is so good. I love him. He's like, he took care of my son. My son. What were you singing? You know, I was about to start singing. My son. Proud of my son. I'll make you proud of your boy. Dear Theodosia, I got news for you. Um, do you want to take the next one? Then Andrew wants Bree to try to get Rex's mother to stay. They have had such a disagreement. What? I just loved this scene. Oh. (laughs) So... Phyllis has packed her bags now that she's been uninvited to Rex's funeral. And Andrew's like, she's a bitch, but she's family. So that makes her our bitch. I love that. And then um, uh, Danielle is like in the corner, like literally sobbing and throwing up. And Andrew's <laughs> like, I didn't ask for you. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a crazy scene in the Vanda clan house. And then, thankfully, Brie and Phyllis basically make up and 
things are better between them. Yeah, and Phyllis is like, no, I'm just really upset. I'm mad at him for dying, and I was taking it out on you. I'm sorry. In the next scene, Lynette needs to get to her job interview, and Tom is lying flat on his back on the floor while the kids run around and Penny is being a baby. And you know why? He threw out his back. And whose fault is that? I said he probably didn't even throw out his back. Like, he's it thinking. was probably a cramp. Because you know, he's thinking, here's the thing. Men are babies. Pussies. <laughs> Wait, let's do it again. Men, Men are pussies. Pussy right pussy. <laughs> Real pussy. Um, no, because, like, women, once a month, some women are in excruciating pain. Excruciating, yeah. And still have to go to work. Yep. Still have to show up to the office. Still have to show up to the theme park or the hospital, wherever you work. Did you say the theme park? Yes. Yeah, some some women work in the theme park. I didn't know. I don't know if you knew that. I do. Women work there. And let women work. Let women work. <laughs> and the world doesn't stop. But Tom's back just hurts a little bit and he can't get off the ground. So then what happens? Lynette has to take Pennywise to the office. <laughs> Pennywise is crazy. And Tom starts crying because of how much pain he's in. And Lynette's like, are you crying? She's like, get over it, pussy. Yeah, she all but said that. Yeah. So Lynette runs into this interview holding her baby. And then she, she just throws the baby down. But she gives the baby to Stu. I thought Stu was gay. Yeah, I did too. So I wrote gay assistant Stu. Yeah. And then she just hands her the baby. Then, um... But while she's getting interviewed, she keeps looking out and, like, seeing Stu paying no attention to Penny. So she's getting distracted, and she's like, one second, one second. She runs and gets the baby, comes back. No, I love how she goes to Stu. You're so stupid. You're such an idiot. What are you doing? Because Stu's hitting on a girl. That's how we knew that. Oh, I thought he was gay. I did too, until he was hitting on that girl. And she goes, you're just a stupid idiot. You're just going to leave this baby on the desk. <laughs> I would probably do the same. Yeah, you would. So Lynette starts there. She's like, can I have one minute to change this baby? And they were like, no, I'm leaving. And she's like, okay. So she's so smart and amazing and cool. She's changing Pennywise's diaper. <laughs> <laughs> while also saying really smart things about marketing and and ed is like okay you're hired and negative nancy is really mad she goes, negative nina <laughs> negative nancy in the next scene gabby brings the paternity test to carlos and it's the one that she stole off the crying woman and she's like here it's your baby congrats and he's like i still don't care about this all i asked for was fidelity and she goes you messed with my medicine yep. that's worse it is and it he literally yes. thinks that messing with a woman's body is not as bad as having an is not as bad as having an affair. I know, I know. All about Carlos. I, I can't. I also need you to take the next scene because it made me so mad I, I couldn't take notes on it. Okay. Um so then Mike and Susan. Oh well well then there was one thing. When they're like arguing about who was worse, Carlos goes, We're really bad people, aren't are we? And Gabby goes, at least we're rich. <laughs> Thank God for that. Period. 
So then Mike is getting its mail, and Susan is just sitting on the porch. <laughs> she pulled a Lynette. We started cracking up. She's just sitting there, and he goes, oh, that's you. <laughs> I'm just minding my own business. Summer minds her own business, and I walk around the corner, like, she's staying in my apartment. So I come back from a walk, and she's just standing here, likely place for her to be. And I go, ah! <laughs> Every time. Um, so Susan's like, Zach. Your son, he's like, yeah. She goes, she's sniveling. You she's sniveling. need to have a relationship with your son. You can't live in my home. I can't have that boy around. Like he's a troubled teen. Out of all the troubled teens in all the world, but he has targeted her many times. He so had to move to get into it. mine. <laughs> and she's like, you can't move in. I'm sorry. And that see, it just made me really sad. But luckily, the next scene is rather comical, and that breaks up the, the tension of the drama here. I will say, though, we're at Rex's funeral, and Mike and Susan aren't sitting together. And it's like, just because yeah. you guys aren't moving in, you can still like, be together. Oh. You love each other a lot. It felt like um, Carrie Martin with the guy that she was dating when this, the twins like wouldn't let her marry him. What? Never mind. Is this Sweet Life? Yes! I don't remember this. Yeah, when she was, was like, getting married. She, no, she was like dating this guy and he wanted to propose, and uh, Zach and Cody were like, You can't marry him, even though he was like a super great guy. And then because she wouldn't marry him, he was like, Okay, well, we can't be together at all. I don't remember this. Well, we'll rewatch. I we'll watched do it all on the of Patreon. that during COVID. Okay. Anyway, continue. So, at the funeral, Bree notices something a little strange about Rex. He's wearing the damn tie. That evil orange and green prep school tie. And she will not stand for that. Do you know what I noticed that was a little weird about Rex? That he wasn't real? He was a <laughs> wax figure. And it's like, okay, I don't know if Stephen Culp was busy or if they just didn't want to pay him. They didn't want to pay him. Probably. But, like, get a wax figure, fine. But the amount of close-ups we had, like, yes. that is not rigor mortis. <laughs> we needed a human. Like, they should have brought it. Like, it was a great wax figure. It was very realistic. Sure. They probably spent the same amount of money on that than they would have just to have Stephen Cole come on. You know what? Star in the casket. You're right. Um, but it was just, like, way too many shots of this wax figure for... For it to be, it just didn't, I didn't like it. Right. Um, also, then we had a wax figure for the, the dead kid in the morgue, right. too. Right. Like, just have a, just pay an actor to lay there. What's the problem? Um, but Bree's freaking out. Like, she cannot focus. Andrew was also kind of laughing at the funeral a little bit. Did you notice that? Andrew doesn't take anything there seriously. There was shocking giggling. Um, but Bree can't focus because she doesn't want Rex to be forever in that tie. So I get she it. just gets up. Nobody knows what she's doing. She searches she the crowd. She scans. <laughs> and she goes over to Tom. Give me your tie. What? Give me your tie. And Lynette goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Tom hands over his tie. And Bree does the unthinkable. She fully picks up Rex's body. I hated this. Switches out the tie. It was crazy. That was a crazy move. Even Betty Appleboy is like looking. Yeah. And she's just like. <laughs> what? Where did I? What street did I just move on to? These freaks. 
And then Brie marched out of the whole whole event. And then there's a pan up to the sky and a pan down back onto Wisteria Lane. It was like this beautiful transition, mm-hmm. very cinematic. <laughs> Did you like it, Tofu? Susan's telling the girls how Mary Alice was actually a murderer. And she murdered Deirdre. And they're all shocked. And they're like, wow. Because that's shocking. Yeah, and they're like, it's really crazy how we don't know anything about our neighbors. Your best friend. Um, <laughs> you know, if they just have perfect lawns, perfect houses, you don't question what happens behind closed doors. As long as they're a good neighbor. And then we see Betty Applewhite playing piano and looking a little creepy. And her son comes in with a beautiful tray of food. And they're having a weird conversation about it that didn't register in my mind. <laughs> and then they're like, you bring the food, I'll bring the gun. And they bring the food down stairs. To the basement. To a basement where there's fully a cave or a dungeon of some sort. Dungeon for sure. Dungeon. Um, and I just remember something. They move into the Mullins house. I think the Italians move into Mary Alice's house. That's why there oh, is a crossover. Okay. Sorry, guys. We were trying to think about when um, Drea De Matteo comes on. Anyway, then they bring this beautiful, gorgeous plate of food down at this dungeon, and a hand in shackles picks it up. Then we black out. Very mysterious, very creepy. We'll see what comes Spooky, next. spooky. What did you think about this episode? I It gave me the creeps a little bit. I really, so I have, like, read a a lot of reviews through the years how, like, season two was, like, very lackluster versus season one, which I never thought. But I think in terms of a premiere episode, it was, like, giving, like, premiere. Like, especially after the first episode of Desperate Housewives, it's not, like... 30 million, yeah. Yeah. Like, we could have used... I don't know. I think it could have given a little bit more, but there was no bad episode of Desperate Housewives. And... On that note, Christy. On, on that note, we have to tell the people. Our Patreon has stuff on it now. It does? Not in this very moment when this episode is <laughs> being uploaded, but we have material in the bank. Okay, right now, I can confirm we have a full video episode. Two video episodes. Two video. I feel like we're on one of those like infomercials now. Yeah. <laughs> Two video episodes. Two video episodes. We have Cody Cash. We have the Cody Cash episode in full with like 30 extra minutes plus video. So you can see his face and his reaction. Yeah. Okay. And then last night we recorded us drinking alcohol and um, playing the Desperate Housewives board game. And it's really funny. Yeah. And so much more to come, you guys. We're going to tell you the full story about meeting Jesse Metcalf. Oh, yes, we are. If you have any questions, we'll feel... I, like, break out in a cold sweat when somebody asks me a question. But, yeah. you know, if I see it written down, I can prepare. So Be sure to follow us answer. on TikTok and Instagram at we are going to tell. And Patreon is in the show notes. And until next time... Y'all come back now, you're here! <laughs> You'll get that if you subscribe to the Patreon. All right. Bye now. Bye.